Hey there, it's the Planet Football Podcast, Monday edition. Grant Wall here with Luis Miguel Echegaray. How are you, my friend? I know you're good. Yes, sir. <laughs> my Kansas City Chiefs have made the Super Bowl for the first time in my lifetime. Um, I never thought this would come this day. Congrats, my friend. Uh, you know, it was a good game. Pat Mahomes just took care of business. Were you worried at the beginning? Because, again, they started slow. Right. right? No, they're down 10. Uh, and... I, I guess having gone through what happened the week before and they were down 24 and came back, uh, I just feel like, maybe we mentioned this last week, I don't know if we did, maybe we weren't recording, but um, it's it's not like soccer. Like Mahomes is so like, there's no analog in soccer because he can produce so many points so quickly. Like, you know, two weeks ago, or I guess, you know, after the, the big comeback game, I was tempted to compare it to like, you know, Liverpool, AC Milan, the 05 Champions League final. But Seven straight touchdowns, there's really no equivalent for that in soccer on, on seven drives. Unless you're Messi. Messi, maybe. maybe. <laughs> no, that was a good game. Uh, congrats. Um, my brother-in-law is a 49ers fan, though, so I have to maybe see. Uh, hey, by the way, are you going to go to Miami or what? I'm going to try and find a way. I, I, you know, I don't think I can uh, get SI <laughs> to send me since I'm a little one-sided here. Um <laughs> By the way, this is Grant's public uh, request. If anybody's listening, you can DM me. We can take care of business. <laughs> ah! <laughs> but it is very tempting, I will say. Miami is a good place for Super Bowls, too. Well, congrats. Congrats. Um, how was your weekend? It was good. I was in Connecticut, my niece's birthday. Cool. Uh, Nieces are great. Yeah. Yeah. Had to watch Villa on the train and had to watch Liverpool and United on the train, but watched it nonetheless. It was good stuff. Speaking of which, let's dive right in here because Liverpool to Man United nil uh, wasn't even as close as the score would indicate. Liverpool actually missed some chances. Um, but interestingly, as bad as United is right now, this felt like a defining game. And it makes sense a little bit. If you were like a Liverpool fan in Anfield, they finally, for the first time, saying, we're going to win the league. They had been afraid to jinx it before yesterday. And uh, it felt like a moment, you know. It's against their arch rivals. It's been 30 years since Liverpool won the league. United has won 13 titles during that time. And... To finish the way they did, just such a cool moment with the Salah goal, but the amazing ball from Allison, And then Allison runs the length of the field so that he's the first person to celebrate with Salah on a knee slide. Think about that for a second. He didn't know that Mo was going to actually finish. And yet he was probably already halfway by then. Yeah, I mean, to me, that we, we've seen many moments this season on just Liverpool's magic and just what they can do. That, to me, was one of those sort of, oh, yeah. you know, uh, mental, you know, f photography moments where, like, Alisson runs the entire pitch to congratulate him. Anfield is just going crazy. As you mentioned, you know, Liverpool fans have been waiting for so long. It doesn't really matter who you root for, who you support. You cannot deny just how emphatic, how overwhelmingly... Uh, you know, incredible this team is from Jurgen Klopp's tactics to the entire squad. And that Allison just sprinting all the way to hug Mohamed Salah was really quite a moment. The game itself, you know, it, it, 
obviously Liverpool dominated. I thought United, like, you know, gave a little bit more of a fight once it was the last 30 minutes. But that first half, Liverpool was just all over Manchester United. I thought, personally, I didn't think that was a foul, Van Dijk on De Gea. He was looking at the ball the entire time. He, he, t- he took him out. He wasn't elbowing him. I, I think he Body jumped up. Look at, nah, I, I don't know. I looked at it a bunch <laughs> of times. And i got to be honest, I'm, I'm probably in the minority, but I really think United got... And I thought... Were it not for, you know, just the careful attention to detail as of recently, uh, they also got lucky with the Wijnaldum goal, I thought. But anyway, Liverpool were just all over in the first half. In the last 30 minutes, Manchester United finally woke up a little bit. I thought Fred really was trying to push as much as he could, especially in those last 30. But regardless, this was just a fantastic victory. And, you know, we were just talking before taping. We're going to be running out of things to say because Liverpool really, okay, I know that mathematics is an important thing to me, but we, you, I mean, this is Liverpool's title now. It's more about whether can they do what Arsenal did and win it without losing a single game. Can they be invincibles? Can they set, I guess, the all-time points record that City set a couple of years ago? That was 101. But it's January... 20th and so we're gonna have to find some things to talk about in England I don't want to like ignore Liverpool as they have this coronation run here uh, the march to the league title but I think we're gonna find ourselves talking more about the top four race Um, we're gonna find ourselves maybe talking more about the relegation race the transfer window I guess we'll figure it out absolutely we're gonna have to figure something out because my friend by the time spring comes this is over I mean, this is crazy. Like, City and Leicester both dropping points over the weekend. Liverpool winning again. Ho-hum. Um, and I will eat a little crow here. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I did a uh, parting shot on our uh, former video show <laughs> uh, and talked about uh, the whole point of it was congratulating five clubs on winning the big club uh, titles in, in Europe before the season started, just because that's literally, it seemed like you could predict this stuff uh, pretty easily. It's been, uh, you know, City in in England, uh, Barcelona in Spain, Juventus in Italy, Bayern Munich in Germany, PSG in France. Now, I will say that aside from Liverpool winning the league in England, the other ones still could all happen. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about La Liga in a second, but I think Real Madrid is actually looking stronger and stronger. If I had to pick one right now, I'd probably say Real Madrid, though, and we'll talk about Barcelona, like, you know, it's slightly encouraging. Yeah, I mean, it was... I mean, well, and we'll talk about okay, Barcelona okay, too okay. as well. But I agree. I think uh, and you know, our friend Miguel Delaney talks about this. All. A lot of it has to do with, you know, in terms of the disparity of financial wealth and stuff. But Liverpool is a team that spends well and utilizes what they have. They're very smart, as you wrote in your article with the Oregon Club. They don't just spend for the sake of spending. And a lot of clubs sometimes do that, right? I'm looking at you, PSG. I think that Liverpool is a team that Man has United. a specific... Man, well, Man United is just a mess. <laughs> No plan, uh, it, they no are. I mean, listen. If you're a long, if you're a lifelong Manchester United fan, this is a comp- this is a night and day team for you. Yeah. And we can go into it. But uh, to your point about the big teams winning the league, I mean, Juventus with another big win. We'll talk about that for sure. But yeah, I think that if it's not one, it's the other one that's competing for it. So the favorites are definitely doing what they're meant to be doing at this point of the season. Uh, do we have much else to say right now about England? I mean, there's midweek Premier League games. Um, 
I kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I would say is I think Tottenham uh, really needs a striker now. Uh, losing Harry Kane is a big, big problem. And, um, you know, Watford obviously is a team that is fighting for their lives right now, uh, and rightly so, and the Nigel Pearson, but they need a central target, and you could see that they need them big time. So I'm sure we'll talk about the transfer window soon enough, but they need they need a central striker. Losing Harry Kane is a major, major blow for them. But like you said, <laughs> we're going to have to find new things to talk about. I mean, listen, I could talk about Aston Villa all you want, but I'd rather not because uh, I want to be happy. But <laughs> But yeah. More to talk about for sure, but well done, Liverpool. So let's go to the continent. Uh, for me, Dortmund is a fascinating story right now, especially in this second half of the season. They win 5-3, come from behind at Augsburg. Erling Haaland, uh, Haaland uh, hat trick as a sub in his first game for Dortmund after he blew off Man United and, and made a smart choice, I thought, to go to Dortmund. Um, Gio Reyna. Uh, 17-year-old uh, American, son of Claudio and Danielle Reyna, makes his debut. Uh, you know, promising, promising player. Youngest American ever to play in the Bundesliga. Uh, thank God for EU passports. That's what Christian Pulisic got, allowed him to start at age 17. Um, otherwise, if you don't have an EU passport, you have to wait until you're 18 to go abroad uh, from any country. It's a FIFA rule. But if you get a passport like Croatia, which is what Pulisic got thanks to his grandfather, and uh, Gio Reyna got a Portuguese passport because his um, grandmother, Claudio's mom, uh, has Portuguese ties. So I think that's a huge thing for for a, a young American. If you can get going at a place like Dortmund and be playing first team for a great team uh, at age 17, that's remarkable. Yeah, I mean, listen, this topic has also been discussed a lot in South America. Many young South Americans try to go to Europe even earlier, and sometimes it's thanks because they're able to get a Spanish passport, etc. So yeah, the EU passport certainly helps. The younger, the earlier you can get to Europe, and especially in a league that's so favorable to Americans like the Bundesliga, the better. And uh, I wish Giorena well. Uh, I know you've written a lot about him. I've interviewed Claudio. Uh, many times. Uh, I'm happy for him. And I mean, you can't get into a better situation than the Bundesliga if you're a young American, in my opinion. If you're a young male American. If you're player. just a young, yeah. And if you're just a young player, period, Dortmund is, that's the place to be. They have such a track record now of developing young players. They have no problem admitting that they are, they are a stepping stone, but only for the very best, right? Because they still want to win trophies themselves. They have the biggest average crowds in world football. So well, they have a strenuous scouting system. So they know, yeah. again, they know what they're doing. Listen, we have to talk about ha Haaland. This is incredible. It's ridiculous. A, a hat trick on his debut. And now I'm just reading right here. He scored a hat trick grant in all four competitions he's played this season the Austrian Cup, the Champions League, the Bundesliga in Austria, and now the German Bundesliga. That's incredible. This kid is 19. amazing, amazing. 19. And a lot of people were saying Manchester United's loss, whatever. Haaland didn't want to go to Manchester United. This At is, all. He did not. He, wa he wanted no part in it. Obviously, his father had a long career in the Premier League, and he, he, he's a very big influencer on his son. But Haaland's a very smart player, a young player, who said, I know my path, and I know where I want to go. And I want to go to a team that can help me get better, Give me still competitive soccer outside of the domestic league in itself, which is what Borussia Dortmund offers. 
And I'm still young enough to understand that there's a system beyond just the coaching. They have a director of football that does knows exactly what he wants. Manchester United doesn't have a vision. Why would he want to go there? So any Manchester United fan that says, oh, man, you lost this one. No, no, no. Haaland never chose United. He knew exactly where he wanted to go. And they're going to be a fun team to, to watch the rest of this season, Dortmund. I mean, they don't defend much, but that's okay. I mean, like, it's okay for us. As, as, yeah, as, like, as a neutral, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's going to make it hard for them to win the Bundesliga if they can't defend. But we're going to see more 5-3 games. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and to see an American in that position. Another American back, Tyler Adams, for first place Leipzig. Looked good back in the central midfield role that he should be playing with the national team. Um and in getting Tyler Adams back healthy, I, that's huge for him because he was actually out for a really long time. A very long time. Like months and months and months. Which is a little worrying. Tyler Adams is my favorite U.S. male player. I think he is the smartest. He has the biggest soccer brain. I know Pulisic is a tremendous talent and obviously what he has done in his young age is incredible. But as a soccer brain, Tyler Adams to me is just fantastic just mature beyond these years and it's good to see him back i do hope that you know rehabilitating himself now allows him to have a, a longer uh journey so he can get better and better it's going to take time a little bit for him to get back into not just match fitness but you know getting back to feeling comfortable as you said play playing in his favorable position but i i Everything is better when Tyler Adams is on the pitch, especially for the U.S. men's national team, and this is this is good news. But actually, yeah, my biggest concern about Adams and Pulisic is injuries. Pulisic is my biggest one, and I've told you this many yeah. times, and we've talked about it many times. There's no denying how good and talented this kid is, but the biggest obstacle he has is his own physicality. He needs to stay healthy. He has to, not just for the sake of his own performances, but you know what he wants to achieve for Chelsea etc and you know he just hasn't been able to stay fit for an entire season as of late and it, that needs to happen did you know Pulisic got the Chipotle endorsement <laughs> yeah. which I, I honestly I think, see it everywhere in my Twitter timeline I kind of think I might deserve a little commission there because <laughs> that first came out when I interviewed Pulisic this is one of my greatest investigative reporting claims to fame ever we broke here that Polisic would drive two hours to go to a Chipotle in Frankfurt from when he was living in, in Dortmund. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I occasionally like a burrito, you know, but like, <laughs> would you drive that far for one? Yeah, I know. Listen, uh, absolutely. You broke that. that. That was so funny when we read that part, when he said he would drive that far. First of all, open your palate, Polisic. I mean, come on. But happy for him. But yeah, you deserve at least 20%, I think. I mean, like... At least a ball once a month or something. I even said to you... Get a time, $50 you should, gift card. You should get an endorsement deal out of this. And <laughs> lo and behold. Here you go. Um, <laughs> um, in Spain, uh, Kike Setien, first game with Barcelona. And they win. 1-0. Now, the goal itself was a very sort of peppish, you know, old-school Barcelona goal. And it's it's also very Kike Setien. Yeah. So, and which is why they have Kike Setien to bring back that tiki taka ish possession is quick passing inside the box. The Vidal, you know, sort of uh, back pass. Arturo Vidal back heel is not yeah. something I've uttered I before. I don't. If think. Kike Setien can do anything, is <laughs> make Vidal 
this game smoother, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, Messi with a nice little finish with his right foot. Right. Very, very Kike Setien. The other Kike Setien thing is that he really wants to involve young players. Ricky Puig. His first appearance with the senior team, and that's that's encouraging. Now, again, the same thing that I said about Ar Arsenal fans and Mikel Arteta, I'll say the same thing to Barcelona fans. Be patient because we don't. you could lose <laughs> in the Champions League earlier than you might expect. Uh, you might even lose La Liga, to be honest, with Real Madrid playing like they are. But Kike Setien, if you wanted the style that you remember so fondly with Pep Guardiola, etc., well, you got it. But does that mean that it will equate to wins, especially this season? I don't know. But what you will see is some aesthetically pleasing soccer, a lot of possession, and young players coming in. Whether that translates into wins right now, we'll see. Well, as poorly as the Barcelona board handled Valverde's dismissal, they kind of ended up in a with a good choice here, I think. Oh, yeah. He's a great manager. Yeah, this is better than Xavi, I think, oh, coming no, in mid-season. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Everybody involved. Listen, Xavi said himself, I'm not ready for this. Kika Setien is, is a very well-respected manager. And uh, he fits what Barcelona wants and vice versa. I mean, they had 83% possession in their yeah. first game. Like, th this is no... Granted, the, uh, Granada were playing with 10 men and towards the end, but... You know, this is this is this fits. This fits. Well, this is also going to be a work in progress with Griezmann playing center forward with Suarez out for four months, and yeah. and his teammates getting used to it because Griezmann does not play the center forward position the way Luis Suarez does. No, but he does love the center forward position, so at least he'll like be more revitalized to play it. But um, they're going to have to figure some things out, especially specifically wide, I think. But. You know, Barcelona fans, you wanted your pleasing possession-based back to Pep Guardiola days. You, you're going to get it. And also, too, like if you follow – Kevin Williams is a very good follow on Twitter uh, if you want to know about Barcelona. He's got pretty strong opinions, Chicago-based. He's one of these people I just have – I've never met in person but had some wonderful interactions with on Twitter. Uh, he's in the media. I think he's like maybe the Chicago Tribune. I don't oh, know, okay. but he's a, just a really good commentary on Barcelona, and he has long been critical of the unwillingness in recent years to play kids, play the young guys, and and Ricky Puig's a guy in particular, Carlos Alenia is another one um, that they just haven't really gotten chances. If you are Barcelona, you are known for you know many things, but a major reason why you are popular is because of your academy. I mean, we don't have short enough memories to remember that Lionel Messi, <laughs> you know, it was, you know, in, you know, introduced to the first team. Very, very obviously, he's Lionel Messi, but there is a tradition of young players being introduced to the Barcelona team. So that's what Kike Setien is going to bring. So we'll see. So here's my question about Xavi: If he really wants to coach Barcelona at some point, and we know he does, he says this all the time. He wants to. Why doesn't he coach Barcelona B? No, good question. Why is he? Is it just he's making like? A mountain of money. Yeah, I would imagine money is the first thing <laughs> he needs to feed his family <laughs> twice. <laughs> Just checking. Yeah, I, it's a good question. I think it eventually he'll bring go down that path. Um, but I think money obviously. Uh, but when I was persuaded him to go to the, to Qatar, but when I was in Spain last fall, I went to um, it was a Valladolid B Real Sociedad B game. Mm. Freaking Javi Alonso was the associate uh, B coach. Yeah. So I just think that's a, a smarter way to go if you want to sort of do your time and get some things, some experience 
but be in Spain, be inside the club, pay your dues, and then be ready for... Kevin Xabi Alonso is going to be a first-team manager for a top-flight team, probably Sociedad at some point. Yeah, I just think that Qatari check was uh, shown in front of Xavi's face, and Xavi was like, all right, I'll, I'll go to Qatar for a few years. <laughs> uh, let's go to Italy. Um, and starting to seem like Juve is pulling away. Yep. Uh, Sari system looking good. Dybala and Ronaldo combination looking good. Um, and everything's pointing, as we said, that we think that really, I mean, Inter would be a, a big push to try and beat them from Scudetto, maybe Napoli, but I think Juventus has this. I mean, you know, we'll see what happens when the Champions League comes in and the schedule gets a little busier, but Ronaldo started 2020 very, very well, and the team looks very good under Sarri right now. By the way, Ronaldo two goals, Messi one goal. These guys continue to perform. We're going to get that dinner or what? Yeah, that would be awesome to have that happen. <laughs> um, but actually, you look at like Ronaldo's production until December was really subpar for him. Yeah, and he didn't look right, like on the field. And he was coming out, you know, he was getting taken out of games and sulking, and and it seemed like things were, were not good there. But over the last month, I mean, very impressive. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's probably uh, sorry, just testing what works, what doesn't. But you're right. The end of 2019, he didn't look right. Now, you know, he started the year with a hat trick. But I think honestly, the key thing has been because for a long time, it was either Ronaldo and then Dybala on the bench, or maybe the other way around. But now he's found a way to play them both at the same time, or at least for a large period of the game at the same time, and you could see the fruits of the labor coming true. I mean, I think Mauricio Sarri is a really, really yeah. good manager. I think we, and he 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 sees a, a specific formation and and he wants to see how it works. It doesn't matter whether you're Ronaldo or, or anybody else. And I think that's working now, so. Did you see that video last week of the goal that Juve scored that was, it was Higuain and Dybala, give and go and give and go and give and go and it give and go? beautiful. Oh my goodness. Beautiful. And um, we haven't seen that from Juventus in a while, so. Yeah, no, nah. it's looking good. I, to, again, it's all about when the Champions League comes back, can they finally go at least to the final? Um, by the way, Mario Balotelli getting a red card on a stupid play uh, for Brescia, which is you got a yellow first, zone, right? Gets a yellow for just a dumb play, and then complains to the referee and instantly gets the second yellow. I think it is now time for Mario to come to MLS. But the only question is, are there any MLS teams that would want him? Well, I mean, Inter Miami still looking, right? I would love to see Mario Balotelli in this league. Oh, my God. It would be amazing. I know we're going to talk about this, but I am so excited for MLS. I am this year. And all you need is Mario Balotelli to come here and just... No, listen, I think, I think that... I don't know, like every week something happens. Come to MLS, come to a league that's just going to celebrate. They're going to love you. The entire league's going to love you. Come. At one point, I don't know if this is still true, I was the only journalist Mario Balotelli followed on Twitter. Wow. That's a claim to fame. Yeah. Wait, wait what happened? I interviewed him for a cover oh, story for that's SI right. back yeah. in like 20... Yeah. 12, 2013, I have it on my desk, maybe? yeah. Great picture and down in Miami. It's like he's walking on water, but not really. And um, actually one of the more fun uh, interviews I've ever done. And, and a challenging one, it, was a, it, was, it came out at the start of the season, and this must have been, 
I thought it was 2012 because he you know, he had a really good Euro in 2012. I mean, getting a soccer player on the cover outside of a World Cup of Sports Illustrated is not easy to yeah. do. And yeah, you can put that in caps. And so you know, he was with AC Milan at that point, and I remember um, we sh- we did the shoot, the photo shoot down at this hotel in Miami before the interview. And so he literally had just met me. And his first response when I took him to the pool where they they had set up things for this photo shoot for the cover was, I'm not doing that. And I we had to sort of he, convince him. He said him. that? Yeah. I mean, he, like... It's interesting. I don't know if he, like, didn't understand how we were doing it first. Like, there, a ton of work had gone into setting this up, this, like, clear, like, thing that, for him to stand on. Yeah. That made it look like he was standing on the water. And uh, Jeffrey Salter uh, did the uh, the photograph, which is great. And um, but Mario fought a little bit, and I was like, "Oh boy, we're going to lose this whole thing that I just spent two months setting up." And finally, convinced him to do it, and he enjoyed it. And then we did the interview, and um, and it's like I, it just was one of those things where you just it's a unique challenge in this gig where you've just met like an a list star, at least a list at the time, and. You need to develop a rapport instantly if you want to get a good interview. Oh, 100%. And I like that challenge. And it worked out with Mario, who, like, um, Obama was still president. And I knew he was a big Obama fan just from following him on Twitter. And I said, you know, there's a chance that President Obama will read this story. (laughs) No, he's a sports guy. And then Mario's like, oh. And he was engaged from that point on in the interview. And, and, you know, just had a... A really good uh, back and forth just about soccer stuff, about non-soccer stuff, what it's like growing up black in Italy. Um, and he had a lot to say. And uh, and so I give him my card at the end of it, which has my Twitter handle on it. And then like 20 minutes later, I get a DM from him saying, now I follow you. <laughs> so That's great. I mean, he's always got a lot to say. I think, I think he needs... Um, I, I just think that nobody in his circle professional circle has maybe told him a enough about the development of mls but also just where he is at his career and how maybe the best thing for him is to come to a league that embraces everything that is mario balitalia and that that can be difficult i guess uh you know he's obviously still trying to get himself into the he wants into to the get- it's into the italian team for mancini which is a big step step especially this year Right. Being the European uh, Championship, so maybe it's about what happens then. Yeah, I, I think in particular with Italian national team coaches, we've seen this with Jovinko when he was playing so well here yeah. with Toronto and couldn't get a call into the na- Italian national team. There's a real feeling over there that you're like basically announcing your international retirement in Italy if you go to MLS. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Well, anyway, at some point, um, let's hope we see. Speaking of big signings for MLS, Javier Chicharito Hernandez is going to join the LA Galaxy. Um, they finally got their white whale. Yeah, Grant, you broke the news uh, last week, uh, you know, and uh, as you mentioned, this is really gigantic. And, you know, I, I talked about it a lot. Um, on social, I t- you know, when I get asked this question as well, I pe- yes, what Slatan Ibrahimovic did <laughs> is incredible. 
and it's from both a marketing and a on the pitch situation is is a tremendous asset for both the league and the galaxy. But people need to understand that what Chicharito's arrival at MLS will do is tremendous on so many levels. Let's not forget that the most watched soccer matches in this country are Liga MX or the Mexican national team. The Mexican-American fan base in this country is enormous. The fact that his opposite number across the city is LAFC's Carlos Vela. This is just tremendous on all. But the other thing that I said was this is also just another major, one of the biggest, if not the biggest major piece that fits into an, a larger picture, which is just the over-influx of Latin American players that come. He's just huge, gigantic. He's Mexico's greatest goal scorer. He is a symbol both from a marketing perspective and a playing perspective, just so big. And I can't wait to see what happens. This He's just another reason why I'm so excited for the league to, to begin. There's so many great storylines everywhere. The people out there who are saying, oh, this isn't that big a deal, Chicharito's washed up, they are. They really don't understand what type of signing this is. One, I don't think he's washed up as a player. I think he will score goals. I think maybe not 30 like Zlatan did, maybe 20, uh, but that would be fine. Um, and also, I would say, like, those folks don't are the ones who don't understand how big the Mexican national team is in the United States. It's the most popular soccer team in the United States, and he is its most popular player. So it's a lot like the Beckham signing to some extent in that regard, because this is a, a marketing thing as well. And no, he's not Beckham, but nobody is. But um, this is as close to Beckham, I think, as as we've seen, given the fan base in North America. Absolutely. People, uh, absolutely. Uh, 100%. And the thing is, when you're a league like MLS, who's still very young, you need this kind of marketing influence and somebody... Listen, we can talk about it tactically for the Galaxy. They still need pieces. One of our biggest problems for the Galaxy has always been defensively. What are they going to do defensively? defensively right? Yeah. And Chicharito also is not a Slatan in terms of like he's a major physical target man. He's one of the, you know, in his heyday, one of the best ever poachers. He loves to be inside the box. He moves very well. But, you know, you need more than that. Now, can will he score goals? I, obviously, my, 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 my thing is yes. I... I personally think that Galaxy's biggest issues are actually, you know, lower down the lineup. So, but that's nothing to take away the fact that his arrival is gigantic. It's huge. And it's another great piece that adds to the puzzle of the fact that so many Latin American stars are coming in. I mean, now you have Alan Pulido, Edison Flores, Yimi Chara, whom not many people know, a Colombian star. You know, so many stars. We still don't know about Inter Miami's BP, who are, DP, who I do believe will still will be Latin American. But Chicharito, just for what he means to the Mexican-American community and the Mexican audience, is just huge, huge. From an attacking perspective, I'm excited to see a front line, Chicharito, Katai, and Christian Pavone. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's exciting. The actual breaking of the news, this was a weird one because there had been so much media coverage of this signing, potential signing over the last week or so. And so you had coverage in the Mexican media, you had coverage in the U.S. soccer media. And in the end, I was actually kind of kind of happy. I was able to get like be able to break that he had signed the contract, um, which is when it's truly a done deal. And anyone who reported it was a done deal and he'd signed it before, that hadn't happened, actually. And in fact, on Thursday, we started to see reports coming out that it might fall apart. Yeah. 
and even now they haven't it's not official he hasn't it hasn't been announced yet um it would be nice if the LA Times decided to uh give some credit on uh, uh on the report uh they had two articles actually about this without mentioning this no source um they did their own reporting, but like the, no the, attributing the, to but you. But the, the like the customary thing to do in, as we do in, here, in, yeah, in media is to say, uh, you know, Chicharito signing was first reported by Sports Illustrated. So yeah, yeah. get with it, LA Times. Yep, um, that's four times in the last couple of years, by the way, and I'm <laughs> kind of hot about it actually. Um, looking at other stuff, you had a very interesting trip last week to DC. You mentioned Edison Flores. Tell me about it. Yeah, um, for those who don't know, DC United's first uh, DP, you know, the, the departure of Wayne Rooney, Lucho Acosta, Titi Rodriguez has left, you know, much to work for, for DC United. And their first announcement um, was, as earlier reported by Stephen Goff and Pablo Maurer, uh, uh and Diego Montalban, who's done a lot of work on Twitter as well, Edison Flores arrives to DC United um, last, you know, the announcement was made last week. And, you know, I began a conversation <clears throat> to, we're doing a piece that's coming out later this week, both a written and a video, because uh, some of, uh, well, first of all, it's it's huge. This is a, a, a Peruvian player, 25 years old, who's a major part of Ricardo Gareca's uh, national team setup for Peru. Peru being a Copa America finalist, made it to the World Cup. Edison Flores is a major reason. He's also extremely popular. Mm-hmm. Just a real sweet guy. Uh, his smile just lights up the room. And as a player, he's just incredibly dynamic. He can play on the left. He can play as a number 10 behind the top striker. And the other addition is the fact that DC United has one of the biggest Peruvian populations in the United States. So people need to realize that, yes, Wayne Rooney's gone, but what they're getting is a player who will be... more offensively minded, uh, you know, younger, uh, willing to do way more just because of who he is at, at this period. And listen, before Wayne Rooney even arrived to DC United, it was around the same time that uh, Rudias was arriving to Seattle. And I actually said that I think Rudias would have been a better, uh, better part for DC. Now, you know, we've moved on. Raul wins MLS Cup with Seattle. Wayne Rooney's gone. But Edison Flores, to me, is even better. He's more of a focal point. And we went there. We spent the day with him. He talked about just what it means to him to come here, uh, excited about uh, the fact, you know, there is also this popularity amongst the Peruvian players now. It's good timing. We have Rudias, Andy Polo, Alex Callens, Pedro Gallese, our number one goalkeeper is now playing for Orlando City. Um, Marcos Lopez for San Jose. It's just, it's just, Big, El Pulpo, the octopus. By the way, one of the most underrated goalkeepers in South America. So anyway, so there's so many Peruvian players that play a a real major part Mm -hmm. in the national team setup. Edison Flores, to me, is, aside from Gallese, is is really the the main one. And yeah, very excited about it. Really good chat, really friendly guy. And he's just super excited to get things going. Every time he was talking about... We were inside Audi Field during the chat, and there were some construction workers working on the safe standing zone, and he was like waving at them, and he was telling me, "Yeah, we're gonna go to Florida." He's like a little boy, like, nice. but he's he's a great player. He came from Liga MX Monarca Morelia, where he was really he he made it to the you know semifinals of Liga last season. So you know, uh, very excited, very excited to see what he can do. Last week was fun, and you can sense if you're listening to this our excitement around MLS and the season ahead. Well, I went out to LA for MLS Media Day, um, which you'll see a lot of the the results of that um, 
over the next few weeks, but uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, it was good to catch up with. Uh, yeah, who did you chat to? Chat to? So a few different people. Uh, I talked to Carlos Vela. Um, had a really nice chat with him, largely about Chicharito and, and their relationship going back to when they were 13, 14 years old at uh, Chivas de Guadalajara. Um, and we talked about how the, well, I shouldn't give too much away, but like but this also changes the rivalry of in LA of these two teams because there was a lot of tension last year uh, with Ibrahimovic and some of the stuff he said about Vela, um, which was kind of fun. Uh, and th- not that there won't be a rivalry anymore. It's going to get a ton of attention now. Uh, even more so, probably with uh, with Chicharito and Vela, but this is a bit more, at least in terms of those particular players, a friendly rivalry. So, um, I found it interesting. Uh, I interviewed several guys in Spanish, and when they first see me, and they just don't think I'm going to start speaking Spanish to them, and they get it actually made for better interviews because one, they do they can speak English. Like I talked to Nico Lodero, Joseph Martinez, uh, Carlos Vela. Um, but like they're, they can express themselves better in their native language as anyone can. Listen, the main reason why Latinos like when, when the moment they see, you know, a white person come towards them and then speak Spanish is not so much that they're like, Oh my God, but it's more because they're so used to, you know, they come and then suddenly they just speak English and they're like, Oh, you know, we'll just get a translator. So it's kind of, it's a pleasing surprise, I imagine. Like you said, they open up more. There is, that's why my I advise to everybody is always learn another language because you will just see just the doors opening for you. Uh, but anyway, so so um, who, when, what, wh- if there was one thing out of this media day that you thought was surprising from a specific player, was it anybody in particular or did you, was it, you know, for me, I just did sort of like targeted interviews yeah. during my thing. I like, I'd rather do fewer better interviews than like if I wanted to, I could have interviewed probably twenty five players because yeah. they have people from every single team down there. Um, the problem is you only get a little bit of time, so it's all about quality instead of quality. Yeah. So um, uh, spoke to Nico Ladero from Seattle. Um, spoke to Vela. Spoke to Joseph Martinez. Uh, Bob Bradley. Bruce Arena. Uh, Greg Vanny, Dax McCarty. Uh, we had a nice talk, especially about the CBA situation, labor talks. He's a union rep um, playing with Nashville now, which is about to start. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, whether you're seeing players, coaches, other media people, um, you know, there's, you know, the soccer community, there's a lot of really cool people who do great work uh, in the soccer media. So, um, so that's nice. Um, and there's just so many teams in MLS now. There's going to be 26 teams this year. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it, like, it makes it a challenge. You you need to do your homework. You need to sort of know what's going on. But um, it's become a, a challenge if you're kind of doing what we do, like in this podcast where we follow soccer around the world in the biggest leagues. Um, there's a lot of teams in MLS. And so um, that's going to be interesting. But... Uh, and also, too, I mean, more than ever, I'm feeling this strategy. Yes, you're going to have Chicharito get signed. You're going to have big names come to MLS. But it's a lot more um, South American guys in their early to mid-20s. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote about it two years ago, and I think this is the way to go. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to completely ignore right. of bringing aging European players, but this is the way to go. In fact, it's actually a Bundesliga strategy as well. 
So we're really excited for the 25th season of MLS. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Uh, other news. Let's talk about Mal Pugh getting cut <clears throat> from the U.S. Olympic qualifying roster by new coach Vladko Andonovsky. And she was traded last week from Washington to Sky Blue. Big few weeks for Mal Pugh. She's just 21. We saw her kind of burst onto the scene as a 17-year-old at the 2016 Olympics where she started games. And I think this was sort of a while coming. You could, I mean, she's, she just hasn't developed quite as you would have hoped. I think another reason is Vlad Kondonovsky looks to me like a manager, a coach who uses certain strategies to energize you. I think that for a few years, Mal Pugh, even though she's very young, not, I wouldn't say getting an easy path into the setup, but the competition wasn't as fierce or she at least thought, well, this is my path. This is how I'm going to do things. Maybe this is a way for Andonovsky to say, time to wake up. And, and she has time to still make the and Olympic pl roster. Plenty of time. You know, and, and I will say this, these are 20-player rosters for Olympic qualifying and for the Olympics themselves. That's three fewer players than for the World Cup. And as far as I can tell, the only reason for that is because the IOC is cheap. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, that's basically it. I mean, like, <laughs> they, they only have 12 teams in the Olympic women's tournament. There's 16 in the men's. Don't get me started, but like the... I. It's kind of silly, um, but it, it does seem like, um, you know, Mal Pugh is a player with a, a lot of speed on the wing. Uh, she can score goals, um, but she just hasn't taken the next step that like a lot of us thought she might have by now. And, and like Sky Blue is doing some cool things. Like this was a team that was basically, I don't know, what do you, like a mess, <laughs> however you want to say it, uh, a year ago. Um, and they've, they've turned things around in a, in a big way off the field. They're going to play in Red Bull Arena next year. Uh, people in New York are going to much more easily be able to see them. Uh, and they've, you know, they've made some moves here. Uh, you know, they already had Carly Lloyd, who's very motivated as well these days. Um, McCall Zerboni comes in. I think that's big. Midge Purse comes in from Portland. They could actually be much better on the field too this season. I think this is all an opportunity for Malpew. This is her way of like seeing, I mean, a new team. You can learn so much from somebody like Carly Lloyd. And like you said, this is just, you know, the qualifying stage. There's plenty of turns to be made. And this is a time for a 21-year-old attacker to just say, let's roll our sleeves and get down to business. In other news in the women's game, Sam Kerr scores her first goal for Chelsea. They beat Arsenal 4-1 to over in England. Some good goals in that game. Some good goals. And that was a great ball for uh, for Sam Kerr. And Chelsea looked like favorites. Uh, they have a game in hand, uh, even though Man City women are, are leading uh, the Women's Super League. And it's a really great product. I mean, we've talked about it for a while, but they're doing such a good job. Uh, the entire you know, uh, marketing team, the social team, you get to see all these goals all the way here. Um, more people are coming to attend these matches. There's more support and I'm really enjoying it. And it was good to see Sam Kerr score, score her first goal for Chelsea. It's, it's really good to see um, 
the Super League do so well. Um, I just I wanted to keep going. Yeah, and, and all the games aren't they available yep. for free? They're all free on the website. Yeah, yeah, even the ch- and the championship. Yeah, which is being led by Aston Villa, by the way, undefeated nice. Aston Villa. Nice. Uh, what's your week look like ahead here? Let's see. Week, week, week. Well, uh, a few projects for the Super Bowl. Uh, nice. Nothing with the Chiefs, sadly. Um, and maybe a few pieces, you know, as we look ahead to MLS, as it's getting closer and closer. Um, again, I'll probably sit down with you and try and come up with other things to talk about the Premier League that is in Liverpool. <laughs> but no, it's going to be, a, we'll be, I'll be in New York. No traveling for me this week. How about you? I'm in New York this week. Uh, lots of different balls in the air. I'm writing more again yeah. um, uh, with SITV gone. <laughs> and that's fine. I, you know, I, I'm enjoying the writing and, and getting a lot of stories out there about different topics uh, and working on other features that I think people will find interesting. Yeah, I'm really excited. By the way, uh, we don't say this enough, everybody, but please tweet us, send us questions, yeah. planetfootballpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we want to hear from you, and the earlier we get the questions, the more we can talk about it, right? We also don't say this enough. Harry Swartout, producer, thank you, my friend, for all the good work you do, uh, including being here on a Monday holiday. Uh, no holidays in the soccer world. Um, and one day, Harry's Miami Dolphins will make it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> He's shaking his head. <laughs> he also turns this around extremely fast oh, and uh, allows we can't do it you guys to listen to it as soon as Monday afternoon. So thank you, Harry. Thank you, Luis Miguel. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.